Hey there, friends. Before we get to a brand new episode of the official Do Good Better podcast, we want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing and sharing with all of your nonprofit friends. Most importantly, we need to be thanking the sponsors to this very show. Hey, if you're in the market for a CRM system that makes your life easier, there is no better item in your fundraising toolbox than DonorDoc. DonorDoc is not only the premier sponsor to the show, it is the premier and intuitive CRM system that not only has everything you want, but has zero things you don't. No one needs complicated, especially when you wear 10,000 different hats at your nonprofit. So get DonorDoc and use Do Good Better at checkout and get a month free to try it out. Thanks, DonorDoc, for being an awesome sponsor. Hey, speaking of life being easier, fundraising is not... And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a more content, more done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to either commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, join Do Good University. Hey, it's our brand new membership site. We have hours and hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the entire Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All of that is for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details. Hey, get ready for another episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. Hey, nonprofit leader, you do awesome nonprofit things. And our friends at Pro Resources do awesome HR things. Now, why is that important? Because you have too many things to do than worry about payroll and compliance and benefits and admin and workers' comp. You've got donors to get, you've got clients to serve, and you've got a community to make awesome. So let our friends at Pro Resources help you. Go to ProResourcesHR.com. Learn about how they can help your organization not worry about all the HR things. They've got you covered. Go to ProResourcesHR.com. Let them help you be awesomer at HR while you become awesomer as a nonprofit. ProResourcesHR.com or call them at 800-776-4671 and make sure you mention Do Good Better. Get your special nonprofit rate. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast, where we help small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Join host Patrick Kirby as he chats about the latest nonprofit trends, challenges, and success stories. Plus, you'll get actionable advice to help you be even awesomer. If you're a nonprofit professional, volunteer, or supporter, this show is for you. We'll tackle all the big topics like fundraising, marketing, and volunteer management. Our only goal? to bring you the information and inspiration you need to take your organization to the next level. So grab that giant caffeinated or adult beverage and get ready to do good better. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. I've got a uh, bone to pick with some of you, not all of you, but it's some of you. Um, this is hard work. This fundraising thing is hard work. And the key word is doing the work. And there has been a, a confusing trend on uh, assuming a lot of 
fundraising happens uh, without said work. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I love you. This is hard work. This is amazing uh, work. This is joyous work, but it is work and it's hard. And it's why we have a little therapy session every time our podcast comes up because we want you to know that you're supported and loved. But we're going to go get to the bottom of how we do the work and what's the best route to get there. And I'm going to bring in a buddy of mine, Joey, president of the Utopia Experience. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast, my friend. It's great to be here, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me. And I have to just reiterate, it was the best welcome to uh, a, a digital environment that I've ever received. Uh, Patrick was dancing as I entered the Zoom waiting room, which was amazing. I can't wait. Listen, I'm going to blame most of it on the caffeine, uh, but also uh, because when you find somebody that you just vibe with on the whole level and in, in the whole nonprofit realm, it's very difficult not to be excited about. And then again, you get to bring them to your audience. And I just love that even more. It's going to be a great conversation. Before we dive into things, I need everyone who does not know who you are to know who you are. So could you start 5,000 foot level on who you are, what you do and why we're talking today, my friend? Uh, sure. Yeah. So again, my name is Joey Goon. Um, I might be the only literal goon on this podcast, but I'm probably not the only metaphorical one out there listening today. <laughs> There's my dad joke. I've added that into the repository because my wife and I have a 10-month-old. We've just joined the parenthood train, and it's been the most incredible journey. The first two months, nobody prepares you for. Absolutely brutal. And then after that, everything just gets better and better every single day. So our hearts are full with love and joy and gratitude. Um, I have a wife. Her name's Stephanie. We live in St. Louis, Missouri, Lake St. Louis to be specific. And um, I, yeah, the utopia is, uh, it's, it's unending paradise, right? It's like perfect social order. It's mental peace and material wealth and freedom and liberty and justice for all. And it's like impossible. And so for us, we're striving for something impossible, but in a way, I really think it's beautiful. It's like, we're not afraid to fail. It means that we embrace failure. And uh, no matter how good something is, we're always looking for ways to make it better, which leaves us here today. And I think it's what you and I vibed on. It's like, how can we bring a new dynamic, a uh, new perspective, a new level of energy uh, to the nonprofit space? And we do that through the art of uh, producing really great event experiences for our nonprofit friends and helping them tell more impactful stories so that people leave with their hearts on fire and they open their wallets. <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. I'm happy to chat a little bit further, but my Fathom AI bot is telling me that I've gone on a monologue for one minute and 45 seconds. So I will now stop talking. I love it. No. So I have said uh, here elsewhere that, um, I, again, I cut my teeth doing fundraising events uh, in the nonprofit space. I think it is still one of the most valuable tools in your arsenal as a fundraiser in a nonprofit organization to trap people in a room. And you get to tell your story excitedly for a period of time. And then you get to bring them along on a journey. So I feel like we should talk a little bit about that before we kind of go into how much effort it takes to build some of these amazing relationships that you're going to get there to sit and listen to you for a while. Um, let's talk a little bit about trends out of the gate, because I feel like that's uh, something that people want to hear. Um, what are we seeing? How are we vibing uh, in the event space currently? Uh, what are you seeing that's some ups and some downs and some things that you're positive and maybe a little bit fretful for going forward here, maybe even into 2024 and beyond? 
And we nerd out on psychology just to give people some context on... um, Because I think right now there's a huge trend of individuals who are really starting to try and think more about the psychology and the neuroscience on events. And for us, it really creates... It's like understanding that for us has unlocked the next level. One of our clients said, we've gone from transactional production and audiovisual to the next dimension by just simply understanding this stuff. So I'd love to unpack it before we dive into the tech trends, if you're cool with that. I love that a lot because I think, you know, again, tech trends, great. Uh, we can all read about a business magazine or whatever. But I think when we're talking about, again, as we pursue this podcast, we're going to talk about donor relationships. That's all psychology. That's all the mental space that I think we as fundraisers don't spend enough time thinking about because we're worried about what that checklist of things you need to get done in a production or an agenda or a uh, sort of what the role of the event itself is supposed to be rather than people. And people are the ones that are going to run your uh, organization up or down based on how much they love and support you. So yes, let's nerd out, please. Yes. And then all the technology is like, we can bring all the tech in the room, but none of it matters if we don't create the space for psychological safety for people to feel not just connected to the mission. Um, and so like, just so imagine this for a moment. And this is based on, this is a little bit of neuroscience. Uh, this is based on some of the work that Dr. Danny Friedland did, the late Dr. Danny Friedland, and um, a bunch of other scientists and neurologists that came together. And this is just one model, one approach, one sort of... Um, system, uh, uh, you know, a way of thinking about the brain and how it's divided into different systems and different parts. And so this is called, it's like the triune model of the brain. So this was first introduced in the 1970s. And it's, again, it's just one way to try and make sense of how the brain is organized into different systems and areas. So you've got like this area in the front of the brain is the prefrontal cortex. So when you're in a flow state, that part of the brain's online. Deep learning, executive function, executive thinking happens there. Then there's the middle part of the brain where our emotions, the concept of love, belonging, empathy exist. And then you have the back part of our brain, which is one of the larger parts of our brain that has gotten smaller over time, but still overwhelmingly takes up the majority of the back part of our brain. And that's the amygdala, the lizard brain, the monkey brain, what have you. And that is the part of the brain that's concerned with, am I psychologically safe in this environment? Do I belong? Can I be myself and fit in? And so Patrick, for you and me, we're sitting up here on this virtual stage wondering if the things that we're going to talk about today are resonating and landing with an audience out there that we don't get to see and interact with. Mm -hmm. But the same is true for your donors. When they walk into an event, and I actually was a guest at an event last week. I I went to a gala. I was was an attendee. And um, my wife, you know, we couldn't find a babysitter, which is, it's, you know, it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm by myself. And... I'm walking into a group with, you know, 600, 700, 800 individuals, strangers I've never met before. And so I'm thinking, am I safe? Do I belong? And what can I do? Like, is there a board member that's going to engage me? Is there a volunteer? Is there some type of element that makes me feel more connected opposed to just some guy awkwardly walking around with a glass of wine, looking at all the different silent auction items? And so I think what we as event organizers are starting to realize is if we don't create the conditions for psychological safety, for people to feel connected, not just to the mission, but to each other, then none of the technology that we as your event production company, none of the stories that our video team are going to tell matter because we've missed the mark. You know, one of the things, and again, I, I want to bring this back to um, what you do before the event and what you do after the event might be more important than 
the event itself, right? The event itself is the tech. It's the sound. You got to have the sound right. You got to make it the look right. Exactly. But to psychologically get everybody into the right space, a lot of the work has to be done beforehand. What I love most about you is the, the story that you kind of told, right? You go in there, you don't know anybody. Wouldn't it be amazing? I'm just throwing this out there for those who are planning events, who are thinking about doing events or who've got an event coming up. Wouldn't it be amazing if your individual who was checking everybody in knew exactly who Joey was or had somebody behind that registration table that had a donor dossier that said, we're looking forward to seeing who Joey is. Here's his background. Here's what we know about him so that when you check in, somebody who's standing behind either giving you your bid paddle who's giving you the, the the name badge or whatever it is that you do register, somebody behind goes, holy crap, Joey, we have been waiting all night for you to be here. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, would you mind? I'll show you where your seat is. I'd love to uh, to just sort of walk you through what to expect at the event. Now, the amount of time it takes to create something like that and the arsenal of volunteers and the amount of information you're going to have. But I want, we're imagining things, right? We're using our brain and our brain power to say, what does that do to you? And Joey, what does it do to you? If you walked in and somebody behind there, you didn't really know, but knew you. And they mm. took you by the hand and they dragged you, they dragged you through the ballroom and said, Hey, just right. Here's the bar. It closes at this. And here's the silent auction, whatever. Here's your table. If you need anything, my name's Patrick. And I just wanted to say thank you to you. What does it do to your psychology about the event that you didn't really be comfortable because your wife's at home with the kid and you get a free night? Yeah. Um, I think what it immediately does is it satisfies the amygdala. Yeah. For me to feel seen and heard and safe. And by the way, keep this in mind too, from the neuroscience nerding out on all of those pieces. If your amygdala is online, the emotional part of your brain, connection part of your brain and the prefrontal cortex will not be online. And so what it does is it satisfies the conditions for the amygdala to feel okay. So the amygdala can shut down and stop taking over with the fight or flight. And the other two areas of the brain can come online. Then I can connect with you then I can relate to you on a personal level. Then I can let my guard down and realize, oh, I do belong. Wow, this community cares about me. Let me lean in and learn more about them now. Also, let me lean in and look at what's going on. I can now see the colors of the uplighting. I can see and hear the sound of the music that they're playing just to kind of get the vibe going. I'm looking at the table settings. I'm seeing the screens and the scrolling uh, sponsors. I'm not not paying attention anymore because already someone's paid me attention. So mm. you've unlocked what Joey and his squad are are creating for you and building this wonderful environment. And you, non-profiteer, event planner person, have set him up for success because he's done all the heavy lifting with all the creation and the production and this wonderful environment. And you, with a simple ask of a question or an acknowledgement of somebody's name. Again, Dale Carnegie got that right, right? The name's the sweetest thing that everyone can hear anyway, right? You know now that everything that our utopia experience people have put together is now on full display because everybody feels like they're welcome and they walk in. And yeah. now you, it is the ultimate place where like, I can now see forest for the trees kind of bit. bit. So true. So I true. That. I love it. And then to, to Patrick, I would love to address your question from earlier about the tech because yeah. there are things that you can do at the to create an exceptional arrival experience utilizing technology 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so imagine repurposing your red carpet and having a recipient on your red carpet, or if you're a school, a favorite teacher or the principal or whomever it is that people will recognize mm-hmm. and relate to. And as people come in and they have that awesome check-in experience, they're next greeted by a charismatic personality in the same way that Patrick, you greeted me when I walked into this or entered into the Zoom room today. They're dancing, they're excited to see you. They bring you over to a red carpet area, and there is a video camera and a paparazzi like appeal and lights and cameras and microphones. And someone looks at you and says, Wow, you are fantastic. Why are you here tonight? What are you most excited about? It's a night out on the town. Do you have kids? Did you leave the kids at home? And you're asking these people questions to get them talking, to get their guard down, to make them feel welcomed and appreciated. And what we did recently for a private school is there was a private school that wanted us to ask pertinent information, gather pertinent information on their most important relationships. And they can't interview all 800 attendees personally over coffee. I mean, I guess they could. It would take a lot of volunteers, a lot of manpower. But we did that for them on the red carpet. And we asked, how many family members do you all have? How many kids do you have? How old are your kids? Who's your kiddo's favorite teacher? Oh my gosh, you have a three-year-old that's not yet in our day school? That's awesome. Our admissions team will make sure... like. So we turn over all that footage to the admissions team. What was the admissions team doing on Monday? They're picking up they're picking up the phone to those families who have three-year-olds who are going to age into their kindergarten program in a year and a half, two years, and they're starting to plant those seeds for those future relationships. So we can use the red carpet not only as a way to make people have an amazing arrival experience, but also to capture information in a unique way on some of those most important donors and relationships that you have. One of the things that uh, a mentor told me, I've told this story on the podcast before, I love telling it, is he mentioned, you never ask for a major gift unless you know the name of your donor's dog. The meaning to that end is that you're now having a conversation about things that are more important than the size of their checking account. And what you're just describing is having a technical addition to your special events that allow you to ask the questions that have nothing to do with how much they're going to donate night of, but all get them all prepped and excited about talking about themselves with everybody loves to do in the first place, right? Number two, you're learning things about that person that no one else in your community has done the effort for doing at an event. And then you are following up with the information that you garnered from that particular event in which they felt fabulous enough to tell you. And like, you're now rhythmically taking, I mean, walk me through the registration plus the red carpet piece. What is that? Four and a half minutes worth of your life with a person. You probably have a call to action, if not two. And you've already inspired them that they said, I've had this experience that I've never gotten with anybody else. Okay. They're going to come back every year for that. They're going to, that's the drug you've already instilled into their brain. And you've made every other event they go to a little less awesome. So true. So good. So true. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I've, uh, can we, can we nerd out on tech like an uh, rival experience just for a yes. moment? Yep. Okay. So we just did something. I just got off the phone with another, um, um, a nonprofit marketeer who is planning an event and so I spoke at a conference a couple of weeks ago. It was at uh, Cost Camp. And um, as we're speaking at the conference, we were sharing a case study of something that we did 
And um, it was this immersive experience where we we grouped donors or attendees in intimate groups of 20 to 25. And we walked them through this kind of like Van Gogh-ish type museum display wall area. You know, it's it's an exhibit area. And there were pre-recorded videos on our LED walls. The LED walls were six foot tall by three feet wide. Yeah. And they're spaced out in different areas of the venue. And we did this intentionally and put groups of donors into, you know, 20 to 25 so that they could connect with each other and have conversations as they walked through this immersive experience with one another. And at each of those stops along the way, there were four total, uh, four total videos, uh, four LED walls. It was a story of a family whose lives have been enhanced and impacted by the gifts from the donors. And those one and a half minute videos at the end of each video, a volunteer would say, how are you all feeling? Isn't this freaking amazing? Oh my God, we've got you know Bob and Sue and Patrick and you all are back this year. It's so great. to So there's interaction, there's conversation, and they're being taken through this immersive experience. People are laughing, they're crying, they're hugging each other. They didn't know each other 10 minutes ago. And they're letting their guard down and having this real lived experience together as a community. Um, anyway, I shared this on the stage and he was like, oh my God, we did something similar where instead of um, using the wall in the way we did, he used their LED walls and made them the shapes of their children who are the recipients. So they were life-sized like cutouts, if you will, of the kids telling their story directly to the donors at the event and used LED wall technology to be able to do that. And so now people are, the amygdala feels seen and heard, feels safe. The emotional brain is on, the prefrontal cortex is on because people are laughing, hugging, crying, making dinner plans for next weekend. Then and only then do we invite them to come and be a part of the program. Hey, take your seats. Let's start the program. Again, what I love about this, regardless of technology that you use, LED walls, TVs, it could be anything, whatever it is. There's a thoughtfulness before you walk into the room rather than be reactionary. It's very proactive. And naturally where the work comes in, it's to create not for the sake of doing something super cool or not to do something to wow them. It's to do something that's purposeful so that it's meaningful to them that they are then, you know, almost... um, uh, infused with this want to help because somebody had been thoughtful enough to do X, Y, and Z. And when I talk about the work stuff, it's it's not, you know, uh, you don't have to do spreadsheet after spreadsheet. You're, you get to use your creative brain a little bit on what would make a memorable experience. And then using the question, why? Why is that even a thing that we should be doing? Um, not because you've been doing it every year for the last 30 years. It's what makes this unique as an experience to somebody who's there and why should they care? Again, I think, I think one of the things that um, when we as event planners, we put on these events, we're, we're doing this. Look at the show that we're putting on. Nobody cares as much about your organization as you do, right? You have to go out there and, and actually showcase why it matters, right? Come at it from an angle of like these people who might not know who we are or we know a little bit about them. 
how do we make them care about it? And how, how can we put them in a position to show how much we appreciate them being there? And that's going to be the steps. So it's the, the, the hard work is the curation of these ideas that are purposeful before you walk in the room, regardless of how crazy of a tech you can get. And then using something that they've never seen before, like the shadows of the kids, for goodness sakes, that's an amazing thing. Or these LED wall experiences, like those Van Gogh pieces, like that is so purposeful and meaningful. And it takes, that's the effort you need to put in before you start the rest of the program. Because everybody else does a program. Welcome. Here are our sponsors. Here's a thing. Now our fund to need, et cetera. What are you doing beforehand to do that heavy lifting? How do you come up with and how do you create? And what's your process when you join up with a, a nonprofit? And you're just like, what? what is, what's that first line of offense when you're kind of creating something like that? We always ask the question, what are your objectives? And then we have a better understanding of kind of where they're at psychologically. And oftentimes when we ask that question, you could probably guess nine times out of 10, we get the answer, oh, we want to raise more money because we're getting pressure from the board. And that's not the right answer. I mean, it, 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 it's a great answer, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a but. It should be an and. So it's, yes, we want to raise money and we care about our community members and we want to engage them and we want to go to them and find out what matters most to them. That's where we start as an organization is we bring donors' voices, board members' voices, volunteers. We invite them to participate in those conversations because one of my mentors and dear friends always told me, and I'll never forget this, he said, people give energy towards the things they get to create. Yes. You really want to get buy-in and connection and love from your audience. Let them participate. It's not about knowing the answers. It's about being empathetic and caring and humble and modest enough to go and ask people the questions and then don't say a word. Just acknowledge and be an empathetic witness to what they're telling you. Don't defend, don't react. Just be open, be an open book and be super curious about what your donors, what your stakeholders, what your attendees want to see from you and use that feedback um, to bolster your efforts. And so for us, it's just that. It's going in with a state of curiosity. What have you done in the past? What's worked? What do your attendees want? Nine times out of 10, they don't know You know when we ask that question because we haven't taken the time to go to our attendees and ask them what they want out of the experience. And once we do that, it unlocks a whole new level of, um, of community. Joey, walk me through, because again, I think when people are listening to this, they're thinking, okay, this is the 700 person gala, the, the sit down in the ballroom. This is the plate of dinner and multi-course wine at the table kind of thing. Silent auction, live auction bit. What you described, I think would be a fascinating prospect in a small, intimate environment for some potential major funders and donors in a small, even house party setting in which you do ask them these really relevant questions or intriguing moments of clarity that you're trying to get. Um, the old sales adage of, if you want advice, ask for money, you want money, ask for advice, kind of bit where you're asking them and you're genuinely curious about their answer and to sit in it. Um, this works just as well over a dessert party of eight people at a dining room talking about your event as it does main stage ballroom toast of the town thing, doesn't it? For sure. So what you can do is like the things that we've been talking about today, 
Um, like we're not, we, we think there's a difference between transactional audio video and transformational production. So for us, transformational production and why I've prefaced it with the neuroscience and the psychology is because when we do that, then our technology can create the conditions to capture information for you on your most important relationships, leverage that technology to help inform you to make more thoughtful decisions. So when you bring us in year one, we're setting the groundwork for years two, three, four, five. So we're going into the space. We're doing in-event surveys. We did a survey at a gala the other day where um, we had LED walls in the space, projectors, what have you. We played some really fun music, got people up dancing, had them sit down, scan a QR code. It was a two-question QR code. It was, how long have you been a donor? And it was multiple choice. And it was, what's your preferred method of communication? And it asked them to put their preferred method of communication in. And that was it. And so we actually showed the survey results in real time as they were populating from the audience of 500. We had people that had been donors for 10 plus years. Uh, 60% of the room was a first time donor. So here's what we did is we, um, we had the people who had been there for more than five years stand up so we could acknowledge them and give them applause, play some music, got everybody energized and excited. We had them sit down. Then the 60% of the room that was there for the first time, we asked them to stand up. Then we said, hey, stay standing. For all of our 10-year donors, the 200 of you that are here tonight that have been here for more than five years, go find one of those new faces that's standing right now. Mm -hmm. Give them a high five. Tell them you love them. Tell them you acknowledge them. And that community, we had those 10-year donors wrap their arms around this new community of individuals. And now what it did for the director of development, it gave the director of development something to talk about with them when she called them on Monday to say, what was that experience like for you? You're a first-time donor. Uh, Walk me through. How how did that land for you? Was that cool? And she had their preferred method of communication, so she knew how to contact them. And so again, just kind of leveraging the technology to capture the data. So whether your audience is a group of 10 at a dinner party or a group of 800 individuals, we're going to utilize technology in those larger audiences so that, again, you can make more informed decisions about the people you're going to follow up with. So can I, in real time, work workshop with you where I think the inevitable, I'm going to work with you on this project is for asking that question on how you like to be thanked. Because I, because my brain immediately went, Joey, I'm going to steal this and use this because, or give this to you for the next client, because wouldn't this be an amazing thing? Okay. Um, and again, if you're listening to this and you don't have a technology, first call Joey, we'll get some information for you because you're going to need it. Number one, number two, um, thinking purposely about this and what the work requires you to do after the event is critical. Number three, what if you asked in that little survey, how do you like to be appreciated? And it's got a, a metrics of like handwritten thank you note. Uh, I'd like to talk quality time or gifts. Now the development director or the CEO knows exactly who is participating at that event and how they like to be appreciated, which means you're not guessing that everybody likes a handwritten note. You're not guessing that everybody likes uh, to be picked up on the phone call. And all of a sudden, like you have a customized, personalized gratitude plan that you just use this super cool new technology that's something unique and different that nobody else that I have heard of using, by the way. And I've done this for a very long time, Joey. So I'm mad that I've never come up with it. So I really get green with envy. I'm mad about this that I've never come up with it. So I'm going to just rage at you for being so genius about that. But 
what an amazing gift you could give yourself as an organization to know exactly how each individual who responds wants to be shown gratitude and then you engage them in exactly the way that they just told you forever you will be better than everybody else at gratitude because of this moment yes do you know you know that first off um i know there's a a really interesting quote about um I don't remember if it was Joe Campbell. It was like, it's not about the first who comes up with the idea. It's about the one that puts it into action. And I love that we're having this conversation. I don't think we invented that idea. I think we heard it, maybe repurposed it and put it into action and we're yeah. evolved it, iterated it and it, it and it landed. Yeah. But um, Joe Campbell has a quote that so many of us are seeking to find meaning in life, but I don't think that that's really what we're seeking. I think we're seeking an experience of being alive. So our experiences in the purely physical plane will have resonance with our innermost being in reality. So the reason I'm sharing that is because you just shared like gratitude plans, follow-up plans, figure out what motivates one. I've got a friend who's like, Hey, you want to do business with me? We'll go and hike the Grand Canyon and we can talk on the way. Cool. I'm booking a plane, a a plane trip to Denver and we're going to hike the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sorry to Arizona. <laughs> we actually just did that. I shouldn't know where what where it is. <laughs> so figure out what motivates people. To your point, what do they, you know, is it is it quality time? Is it yeah. gift giving? If it's quality time, figure out what they love. What are their hobbies? What are their hot buttons? And uh, it reminds me of the movie where um oh my gosh, who is it? It's not Richard Gere, it's bucket list. I've got his Oh yes. Oh, what is that? Oh, it's gonna drive me insane. I know we have supercomputers in our phones and it's going to drive me crazy on the whole thing. But that's, that's exactly it though. It's, it's now, it, you are now the motivating factor why people will return or answer your phone call because you have been, but you've been purposeful with it. That what I love about this, Joey, is that it is work, but it's such a unique way of doing it that it doesn't sound mundane. The yeah. mundane thing says your board requires you to write a handwritten thank you note to every donor that comes in, whatever. And it's a repetitive process that doesn't give any unique um, uh, action to someone who is as unique as the gift they have given you or the time or the talent that they've, uh, that they've given to you. Um, the thoughtfulness that you have created in this, uh, in, in this, in ballroom environment with a QR code that asks them about that. And then the interaction you get to do with it, that's going to be more memorable than anything that they've experienced before. That's the cute. That's a human reaction that people go, wow, that was ridiculously crazy. Good. Mm. I love it so much. What's been from a tech standpoint and from an experiential standpoint, I think we always learn from things that just went haywire. What's the one thing you did that you just thought was going to be a home run that you just go, oof, yikes, I wouldn't do that one again. Um, Because I feel like there's got to be a number of those that um, you thought you had it in the bag. One of the ones that we had was, um, was was a candy. It was a candy little drop there. We didn't realize there was somebody at the table who had a peanut allergy. That was a really bad one that we didn't uh, think about at all. That was a that was a really we thought it was clever and cute, and it was not. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting one. But like from a from a tech or a gratitude or a thing that you tried that you're like, ah, I wouldn't do that one again. So this one's it's not something that happened to us personally. It happened to a a different group, and um, 
My so my wife and I are big Gary V fans. I don't know if anybody out there is a Gary V fan, but uh, Gary V was invited to speak at an event, and we were talking to the agency that Gary V is a part, or you know, the agency that books Gary V um, to bring one of their other speakers because Gary V is. $250,000 for a thing. And you know, this other guy was more affordable and equally as motivating. Not, But anyway, I digress. The point is, we were reaching out to the agency to try and book a keynote speaker um, for another event. Well, we've been in communication with this agency and they followed up with us and said, oh my God, here's what happened. And while Gary V and this other gentleman were speaking at an event, they had this pyrotechnic uh, confetti blast thing happened on the main stage and the production company didn't measure the amount of space between the stage and the chandelier. And so when they blew the confetti and the CO2 cannons and the fire, it blew out the glass and the chandelier and it exploded all oh. over uh, somebody's you know, face. Um, it wasn't it wasn't Gary, but it was someone else that was attending the event that happened to be on stage at that time. And so little things like that, it sort of puts in a perspective. We have to test and measure and engineer and be thinking about every hypothetical situation that could happen at an event because if we don't, it could cost someone's life. Yeah. Um, no, to your it, point, it, the peanuts. If you have someone who has uh, you know, an allergy like that, it's just you learn from failure and you you sort of put those things into the utility utility belt. You learn from it and you evolve. It evolves your character. It evolves your business, and you just you're you're made better because of it. I, I again, that thoughtfulness comes from an individual or a business or company like yours, um, who's been doing it a very long time. That just kind of thinks about those things. So you don't have to, as an event planner and as somebody, you're like, hey, we've got contingencies all over the place. So we we've you just done it. And again, it's the same way where you have like. You know, the reason you get a professional auctioneer is that you don't have your your brother's uncle's friend's neighbor who who did that at the at a party once, right? You get the pros because you don't have to worry about it. You put it into their hands because they do it all the time. They're constantly trying to reinvent and create and see things that are brand new, which leads me to vision cast me a little bit on something you're really excited about that might not be technology wise here yet, but like things that you're thinking about constantly about how, you know what, down the line here, you're going to see this get on board because it's going to be super cool. Do you have like a one that you're just super jazzed about? Yeah. As it relates to the event. Where I feel like there's a lot of the AI. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So as it relates to the event world specifically, I have no idea. You mentioned AI. It wasn't the direction that I was going, but we can certainly unpack that um, in just a moment if you'd like to. Mm -hmm. What I'm really excited about is we recently did a gala for an organization in Atlanta and the recipients are in Nepal. Mm -hmm. And a little challenging to bring, you know, um, we can, I mean, just in terms of the bureaucracy and getting people, getting those kiddos out of the country when the country wants to keep them there is very difficult. And if that wasn't a challenge in and of itself, it's very cost prohibitive to bring people into the kiddos, specifically underage minors, into a room, um, you know, for for a thing, for a gala. Um, and then there's also the, the the sort of the personal feeling of having kids in an environment where there's partying and there's drinks and the whole bit, right? So the organization decided, let's not do that. But how do we connect donors to the kids? So we had iPads at the tables. And we put the kids in breakout rooms. And we had translators for those that didn't speak English. 
And um, the donors were able to pick up the iPads and actually connect in real time with the kids in Nepal. Uh, we brought the hybrid technology into the room. This is kind of how we try to do hybrid differently. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we were doing was how do we connect people by leveraging the technology that we've always had access to and repurposing it in really meaningful ways. And so this is one of the ways that we did it. Now, I think what is coming is AI could take that kiddo who's somewhere else in the world and actually put them on stage. Yeah. I I think about where, you know, years ago, I don't know if you probably saw this too, where like Michael Jackson did an entire concert. And it was just like Michael Jackson doing a concert, but it was just a hologram of Michael Jackson. You're like, I don't know how they do this. It's crazy. It sounds like a little, uh, little far-fetched. And you're getting to the point where technology is actually becoming the reality of the things you watched in movies 25 years ago. And, um, and that is such a cool bit. And again, I love the creativity there. I love the creativity of like, hey, we've got iPads. Let's just use them and let's do it purposely in a way that doesn't exploit. It doesn't, um, it's not cost prohibitive, meaningful. It's passionate when you're connected to a person like that. Um, and again, the thoughtfulness, and this is where, I, again, I love the pre-work, the, the, the way that you think about these things and the way that you're encouraging nonprofits and organizations to uh, dream a little bit, which I think is fun. And I don't think we give ourselves permission enough to sort of like dream what an actual event like that would be. Um, that's the cool part. I just, I get, again, it's not envy of your job, but I kind of get envious of your job because you get to do this every day. And how fun is that? And report back out to people like me that I get to like nod and smile and give everybody kudos for taking a leap of faith on that as well. So that's just awesome. man. I, I appreciate you and, uh, your zone of genius in that way. If you were to sort of forecast out, um, cause I think events, you've probably seen this, you talk, you and I talked offline, uh, even about this too, that we think events are back and people are like chomping at the bit to get uh, into a, a, a place where there's other people and other interaction. What are you sort of seeing down the line? What are you thinking? Like what we should be looking forward to, or are you seeing as a, like a trend of participation, you've seen people's needs and reactions to the cool stuff you're doing. What do you, what are you seeing as like the future of events look like as we're planning the the next year, year and a half of of doing it ourselves? Mm. That's a good question. I think that people are moving away from transactional events, the 1.0 events that. Patrick, you've so well described and articulated a little bit earlier in our conversation, which is we have a formulated way that we've been delivering this program for the last 10 years. We're going to ask people to come in. They're going to be passive recipients of information. We're going to deliver some program from the stage, maybe some awards, and then send them home. I think people are moving away from those events into 2.0 or 3.0 events, which is the event experiences that mean something. The ones where I can go from a passive recipient of information to an active participant where I'm involved in something, in some way, turning to my neighbor and having conversations, getting our hands dirty. Um, I just went to a mastermind event where there was a hundred of us and we're an extension of the board for a particular nonprofit organization. And we broke up in pods and groups and we designed the future of the organization. 
as a group of 100 individuals that were inspired by the mission. I think we're seeing a lot more events like that where people actually get to use their genius, where people actually get to get their hands dirty to be a part of the change. Remember in the beginning, people give energy towards the things they get to create. How do we create the conditions in our event for people to share their voice with us, for people to be involved in driving the change of the organization? That's where I personally feel that the future is headed. It's all about that community aspect. It's all about, um, you know, yes, it's awesome to connect people to the mission, but how can we connect them to each other? How can we bring that community online in a way that perhaps they never have experienced before? And that's where I believe the future of events are headed. And, and just to just to reiterate, kind of that point, you you were seeing a lot of individual donors like go away. And a lot of donors who can still give uh, at, at events like this are shortening the list of groups they give to. They still want to give, they still want to be a part of this, but they're giving to the ones that matter most to them in not a passive way. They want to be, they want to see where their money's going. They want to experience uh, uh, sort of a success. They want to know the impact. They want to feel the impact. The organizations that take that vision, Joey, the one that you just described, the organizations that dive deep into that and saying, all right, where are we going to get our hands dirty? How can we engage them in a unique and interesting way that's not passive are going to be the ones that come out of this sort of chaotic uh, economic craziness that we're in. They're going to come out the other end going, we've not only transformed the way that we've done events, we've survived, we got our donors to stick around because we cared about them a little bit more. But then when everybody else caught up, you're already nine miles down the road on doing something differently because you've already restructured your brain on how to engage something like it. it takes a little bit of effort, uh, but that foresight and that um, uh, dedication to purposefulness, I think, is something that you cannot uh, replace currently on your to-do list. You can't do it. I think it's going to be the the future of it. And I love. I'm excited watching you do what you do, and then I can follow like. Oh, there it is. This is what we're going to do now because it's just uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, when people listen to this and they're going to want to get a hold of Utopia Experience because they're going to want to have somebody to bounce ideas off of like you, but they might not know where to go. Joey, how on earth do people get a hold of you so they can have a conversation as awesome as we do uh, and see how you can make their events even better? Uh, yes. So um, I'm going to make this incredibly complicated. I like it. Go to utopiaexperience.com. <laughs> you know what's super cool? I just picked up, I uh, just started reading this book uh, by Joey Coleman. And he has this thing where you text, you just text a number, right? And uh, I mean, I say this like it's a, um, like it's something incredible, like so unique and novel. I mean, I think a lot of people are doing it now. We just have not implemented it yet. But you text a number, it sends a full V card. It's like um, you can opt in, and you know he sends you like daily motivate or daily motivational quotes and all all of these different things. It's really interesting. But um, eventually, we're going to implement something like that, so we can make it even easier. But until we do that, you still have to you know jump on our website. You can fair enough. I will simply put your website in the show notes, along with a whole handful of other things that you're just going to want to click on, by the way. And please do after the show, uh, please go click on the website, go see Joey's, go say hi, go follow him on socials, go, go do all of the things you want to do because he's going to be doing some awesome things. And I know you want to go and see those as well. A uh, couple of things uh, before we go. And by the way, when you're online, you haven't you're like, you know, subscribe to the show, you should. 
This is the type of guests we get on here because we're awesome and Joey's awesome and we should be friends online. So do that. A uh, couple of things. Number one, thank you for what you do. Uh, your innovation in this space is absolutely desperately needed. And uh, I, I, love, I love the whole concept of following from this interactive, uh, moving from transactional, transformative events. I love the 2.0, 3.0 bit. I mean, this is such a thing for me as a dork who loves talking about this stuff uh, to, to chat with you about that. Great. Thanks so much for spending time with us and giving your perspective and your and your sort of advice and your uh, and your thoughtfulness with our uh, audience. Thank you most of all, man, for being a, a guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Ah, uh, more. To, I'm, listen, this is not going to be the end of it because I just we'll need we'll need a lot more. So more soon. <laughs> Thanks, Joy. Appreciate it. Fundraising is hard. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a lot more content, done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, I want to invite you to join Do Good University. It's our brand new membership site. We're going to have hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions, all for an affordable monthly fee. So visit dogooduniversity.com or click the link in the show notes 